and welcome to DaVita Leadership Insights, a weekly podcast for DaVita teammates who want to become a better leader both personally and professionally. I'm Grace Berman, a Senior Director with DaVita University. And I'm Doug Miller, a Master Coach and DaVita University faculty member. Today, we get to chat with Debbie Wolf, calling in from her home base in Louisiana. She is a Vice President of People Services Operations. That's what we refer to as our uh, human resources function here at DaVita. We will discuss a bit of the DaVita secret sauce on how to build great teams. Welcome, Debbie. Hey, Debbie. Hi. Hey, so great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for chatting with us about such an important topic here at DaVita. We thought you would be very insightful on this topic because you've been with the village for 30 years and you have experienced building teams in the field and in Atlas. So what we call here is the sort of the operation side and the headquarters side. So before we jump into the strategies you've used to build great teams, could you talk a bit about how you would describe what a great team looks like based on your experience? Yeah, so thank you, Grace and Doug. So happy to be here with you today. Um, you know, when I think of great teams, I, I think of synergy. I, I just really think of a group of folks that really get along well together. They like each other. Um, they, they just get along. And, and you know, when I think about that and I think what's fundamental to that, I really believe that the foundation is trust that they trust each other. And I think that because they do trust each other, it allows them to kind of push on each other a little bit. And the result is that the team as a whole moves forward and is able to achieve really great things. Wow, I love that description of a great team. It sounds like a team I want to be on. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and so Debbie, I want to get a little bit more into the feeling of that team. So when you are on this great team that you describe, how did that make you feel? Wow. Um, gosh, I, I, I mean, obviously it feels really great, but when I think about it, I, I think about words um, like supported, um, accepted, empowered. And by empowered, when I think about the times that I've been part of great teams, because I felt supported, because I knew that I, I had the rest of the team there, sort of having my back and, and there to, to help me if I, if I got stuck or if I got into trouble, I really felt empowered to be bold. Um, and, and to take risks because I knew that that if necessary, my team members were going to kind of jump in there to help me and were not going to let me fall. Now I really want to be on that team. <laughs> me too. Wow. So can, can you share one example of when you've led a great team that looked and felt like what you're describing? So, I, I mean, obviously over 30 years, I have been part of many teams. Um but when I think, you know, most recently, the, the greatest team that I've been on is really when I was um, a vice president and I had the opportunity and the, and the privilege to lead a divisional team. 
And, you know, when I think about it, I, I think back to what I opened with. We just had this synergy on the team. I mean, everyone really got along. Um, we genuinely liked being together. And we had this really nice balance of clinical and non-clinical strengths. And I think that because of that, we really complemented each other. And the, it, it brought like a diversity of thought to the team. And as a result, the team was really able to achieve great things. In fact, um, we, we spent a good amount of time, top 10 on the leaderboard, and were able to really deliver great clinical care to our patients, um, took really, really great care of our teams, and then were able to deliver great financial results to the village. So, Debbie, as you're talking about this team, I think one of the questions that I usually have when I talk to people who say, oh, I have a great team, is did you inherit that team or did you actually have to build it? Yeah, so... You know, with um, I, I was promoted from within, and so some of the folks on that team had been part of, of my prior team and had been um, promoted from within themselves. But I did have the opportunity to bring a couple of folks in from the outside of the organization. And, you know, Grace, I, I really need to be honest here. Um, as a clinician, I, I recognize that I now, I recognize that I really had a bias towards the clinical, uh, clinical background. So just really quickly, Debbie, you said clinician. So for those who don't know you, can you tell us what you did? Grace, yeah, I, uh, I actually started as a nurse, uh, as a staff nurse in one of our centers um, uh, just about 30 years ago. And so through the years, I've had multiple clinical roles and then moved into operations and, um, you know, started as a facility administrator and then ultimately ended up being um, a divisional vice president. Wow, that's quite the story. Well, thank you. Thank you. I've had a bunch of great leaders and been part of, a, you know, many, many great teams that allowed me really to continue to stretch and to, um, to build my skills and, and become a great leader. But, I, you know, what I was saying is, I, I think because I did come up as a clinician, right, and I spent a ton of time in clinical, um, I, I'm sorry, in centers doing clinical activities, and I, I really think that I had a bias towards clinicians. And, and I can tell you, there have been many conversations that I've had, because there's kind of two schools of thought. Um, should you have clinical leaders that learn the business, or should you have business leaders that learn clinical? And being that I was clinical, I, I had a clinical bias. And so I tended to surround myself with a bunch of clinical folks. And, and by that, that I, I mean nurses that came up from within the organization that ended up learning how to be great leaders and learning the, the business. Um, and, and then I had the opportunity to bring someone that was non-clinical onto my team. And it, it's, you know, that old notion of you don't realize or you don't know what you don't know until you learn. And I realized the diversity of thought that this individual brought to the team and how he really challenged the way that we did things. And although he didn't have a clinical background, he learned to speak the clinical language, but just brought this different element that I believe just completely elevated our team. 
Um, and so I, I recognize that my prior thinking, although I don't think it was wrong, um, I learned how much better our team could be. And as a result, I, I really believe that that's when we started really coming together. And that's when the diversity of thought really took off and when we were able to ch achieve great results. I really appreciate your willingness, uh, Deb, to acknowledge and really take a look at your biases. I think um, it's a really difficult thing to do. I think we could all um, you know, take some time and do that and look at the biases that we hold around uh, many different elements, but team building is, is one of them. What are some other actions that you took to groom this team as you started to build out the diversity? What other things did you do to, uh, to groom the team? Well, you know, Doug, um, I think that, that one of the best things that I ever did was to bring the team together and we really aligned on a vision. And, you know, as you well know, we teach in academy, we talk, we talk all about uh uh, coming up with a compelling purpose in order to build a really great team. And I think that vision became our compelling purpose. And, and, and we decided that we wanted to lead the way. And so that's exactly what we said. That was our tagline. We wanted to lead the way, the excellence. And a as a result of that, we came together and, and we sort of set the most important things for us as a group. And I think we have a great example in the leaderboard and the dashboard at the village level but we took that and we further defined it for our group and we looked at where were areas that we had gaps that we really needed to do better in and so we developed our own set of goals based on that and we even kind of developed our own scorecard and every month we would look at that scorecard on how we were doing as a team relative to the own goals that we had set our for ourselves and then quarterly we awarded um, the best in class and the most improved to our centers that that achieved those those goals. What a great example of our core value of continuous improvement. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, one of the things that making, taking that and making it our own really allowed us to push each other. Um, because as we got together and we looked at that every month, if there was a, a, a region or a group of clinics or, or even a whole kind of one of our outcomes areas that we were lagging in, it really allowed us to push each other. And I, although I think that there's a healthy dose of competition that existed in the team, I really think that what it did in having this, this common goal or this common purpose as we all came together and we supported each other and, and helped each other in order to achieve. And I, I really believe that that is, that's what got us to where we eventually became top 10 on the leaderboard for, for a good while. So thanks, Debbie, for the great illustration of how powerful and motivating it can be to have a compelling purpose for your team. I love the results that you were able to achieve from that. So I want to circle back and just kind of zoom out a little bit. And you touched on two of the three things we teach at DeVita University for building a great team. You talked about just now having that compelling purpose, that why, that motivating, uh, common motivator for the team. You also talked about how you were able to get the right um, skill sets, the diverse skill sets to complement the different team members. And um, there's one other thing that we really talk about a lot at DeVita University for building great teams, and that's building relationships. So the relationship component to it is so important, and I would just love to hear a bit more about how you were able to build those relationships on your team. So 
to build relationships, I think one of the, the fundamental things that I did was to spend time with each, each of my team members individually. So we either had regular one-on-one set up or I've, I've always had sort of an open door or I guess open phone type policy um, where, where I, we would talk regularly and we would talk about what was top of mind in terms of a performance perspective. Uh, we would talk through bit strategies. We would talk through gaps, but we would also talk through kind of development opportunities. I, for me, that was one of the key things for me is the, the that that one-on-one time that I think just really um, really kept me in tune with each one of my teammates in what they what was going on with them. I think secondly, as a team we decided that we wanted to start each one of our get-togethers with a check-in, which is something that is, you know, one of the things that we do at DaVita, and we took that to heart. We would see each other every, you know, six to eight weeks or so. And so we took the time at the start of every one of these meetings to really do a check-in. And and it wasn't, well, I'll say sometimes, um, we would have a quicker check-in than others where we may start with a two or a three-minute sit and then say kind of one word that, that was present for us. But more often than not, we left it a little bit unstructured. I put more time on the agenda and left an hour, if that's what it took, in order for everybody to really kind of talk about what was present for them at that time, to get the opportunity to reconnect with each other. And and I found that this was extremely me- meaningful and helpful in rebuilding connections, um, you know, after having not seen each other for one or two months or so. And then I think the third thing that we did was three or four times a year, we were intentional in doing something fun together. Sometimes it was just, you know, going out to dinner. Other times it may have been, you know, more of a retreat style meeting or going on a scavenger hunt or something like that. But we were intentional in making sure that we had downtime just to reconnect with each other. So let me just go back really quick, Debbie, about your second point. You mentioned a couple of terms, and I'm not sure if um, every teammate is familiar with them. So you talked about check-ins and a sit. Could you talk a little bit about what those are? Yeah. So um, at the start of each meeting, we would take time to reconnect each other. Now, a, a kind of a more formal way of doing that was to just sit for two or three minutes um, and just try to clear our minds of, of, of the uh, anything that could be bothering us or the outside of that room, any of the day-to-day activities or problems or issues that anybody was, was dealing with. We would just take the time to just kind of sit um, you know, like I said, clear our minds and then be be intentional about spending the time together and being present for each other. Um, that was a sort of a more formal type of way that we would connect with the, with each other. The other, it was check-ins, which could be just completely unstructured. Um, and, and we would just kick off and everybody would talk about what was true for them at that moment. It could be 
something personal. It could be um, a great weekend that they had before that they wanted to talk about to the team. It could be a recent team win within their own team, or it could be a, a, a business-related or team-related problem that they were having. But whatever was top of mind for them at that point in time, they would just talk about and we would reconnect with each other. Sometimes we would, uh, somebody would ask for some feedback for some advice and we would support them than that. But I, I think the whole intent of all of it was number one, to sort of release, be able to get it out, whatever was on their mind, say it so that they could then put it aside and be present for the meeting, number one. And number two, for us to reconnect and know what was going on with each other in the last six to eight weeks or so since we had been together live. It, it just, I'm really impressed, Debbie, with how focused you are on building those human relationships. It reminds me of our previous episode with Dave Herman, where we talk about leadership as a human skill. And so um, it's great to hear these really practical, tactical ways in which you put that into action with your team um, on a consistent basis. So we, we end all of our episodes with one leadership tip. And so wondering if you, uh, if you could recommend a tip for our listeners to go try. Wow. One tip, huh? Um, I would say that would need to be, um, I would recommend that you go out and meet with one teammate and ask them, where would you like to be in the next three to five years? And you know, Doug, I, I choose that one because back to what you just said about leadership is a human skill. It's, it's about relationships. And I really, really believe that fundamentally, um, the, the best thing that you can do, one can do as a leader is to take the time to build relationships with our teammates. And the gift of time, I believe, is so incredibly important. And once someone knows that you care about them, and not that you, that you care about them, but that you care about helping them to achieve the goals that they've set for themselves, then I think that that relationship is really born. And, and I also think that as a leader, I think it also buys you credibility and gives you the latitude if at some point during that relationship, you need to have a tough conversation. You've already built the capital and for that, 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 that person to know that you really care about them and that you've invested the time, they know that you care about them. And so they know that if you do have to have a tough conversation, that you're coming from the, a good place and that what you want overall and ultimately is for them to be successful. That's a really great tip, Debbie. And just so simple to ask one teammate, where do you see yourself in three to five years? and giving them the gift of your time. I'm excited about doing this one. Me too, yeah. me too. So Debbie, thank you for giving us the gift of your time today. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you. Cool interview with Debbie. Uh, really grateful yeah, to get, get an opportunity to talk to her. Her tip was to go out and talk to a teammate and ask them, where do you wanna be in three to five years? And give them the gift of your time. I can't wait to try that tip. And I wanted to let you know, Doug, that I did try a tip from last week's episode. Cool. Yeah, with, with Cole and Jen. 
one of their recommendations was to make a list of your energizers and depleters. And I did that and found that one of my really important energizers wasn't on the list, which is biking to work. And so I decided to start putting it on the calendar to bike to work at least one day a week. And um, it has helped me so much. I feel so energized when I get to work and I feel so energized when I get home uh, to spend time with my husband and kids. Definitely recommend it to everybody. Uh, just try the list. We want to hear your stories too, based upon all these tips you're trying. So go to davidaway.com and click on podcast and share what share what's happening for you and how you're putting these podcast interviews to use in your life. And if you haven't already, definitely subscribe and turn on your notifications so you get notified every time there's a new episode. And we will see you next week, one for all. All for one. <laughs> <laughs>